All right, mic check. Everybody just give a quick mic check. Mic check, mic check. Check, check. One, two. All right, you're recording. All right, three, two, one. Welcome in to the Raheel Show podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. First things first, before we get started here today, we're going to have uh, Adrian and Brian from Sneaker, Snub- uh, Sneaker Summit, not Sneaker Summit, because that's not a place, but Sneaker Summit. We're going to talk a little shoes and all the good stuff, but first, got to tell you about Perfume Time in Houston. Why do I got to tell you about that? Because that's my dad's place. Valentine's Day is coming up, guys. Why are you going to go to Macy's and JCPenney's and all that and pay Double what you're supposed to pay, okay? Because what they're doing, they're, they're they're making you pay for their retail space. Guys, go to Perfume Time in Harwin. And I know for those of you that live in Houston, you're like, Harwin? Oh, it's going to be fake. Absolutely not. My dad's been there for almost 30 years now. It's a great business. Go save yourself some money. Go get the great gift for your wife, for your husband. It doesn't matter. Perfume Time. They will take care of you. Just Google Perfume Time Houston or you can give them a call at 713-782-0030. When you get in there, ask for the Raheel discount. Because I never pay full <laughs> price, neither should you. And my dad will take care of you guys. They are the best. I'm honest. Uh, this is the best. It's save yourself the money. Save yourself the time. Don't park at the Galleria and all that crap. Just go right up to Perfume Time. Walk in, get your present, and walk out. And you'll save money doing it. Perfume Time. Houston. Uh, got a new sponsor, David Philpot, to the show. One week in, and we already have another sponsor. How about that? Who do we got? All right, we've got, this is a fun one. My buddy listens in Nashville. He's a Houston guy, Dr. Amit Kaswani. He works at Vanderbilt. He's a cardiology expert. He's like, his title will take about four minutes. But he said, he listened to the show, and he said, I want to sponsor it. And I said, what exactly do you want to promote? And he goes, I don't know. I just want you to sponsor. I just want to be on this show somehow, some way. So we got him on. If you have any questions, medical questions, and especially related to the heart, he's an assistant professor of clinical medicine and cardiology at Vanderbilt Heart. The guy's a genius, all right? He's, like, certified in four different fields. He loves this show, and he said, I just want to, I just want to be part of it. So now he's part of it. Uh, Amit's a great dude. If you have any questions, re- uh, questions, reach out to him on Twitter at A-M-I-T. Keswani, K-E-S-W-A-N-I-M-D. And you can also follow, also tweet it out. Uh, you have any questions or anything like that, uh, reach out to him. All right. He's a great dude. He will take care of you. And when he's back in Houston one day, hopefully soon, that's where we're all going to go for our heart issues. Because let's be honest, we're all going to have it. All right. So uh, thanks to him for being a new sponsor of the show. All right. Let's get this started, bad boy. Let's get this going. Let's go, Phil Pot. Kick it off a little Kit Cuddy today. Releaser off of his new album. Pump it up, pump it up. Are you getting people commenting on this? I love this. My boy Johnny is listening. My oldest friend, John Villarreal. Oh. Have you guys heard the new Kick Cuddy yet? Yeah, I know I love you can't that hear album. It's really good. It's yeah. Finally, he's back to uh, being Kid Cudi. I haven't listened to it yet. It's really good. It starts dark. There's some good songs in it. There's some heartbreak. Some triumph. Love it. Yeah, Cudi's his guy, though, man. Cudi's your sure. man. <laughs> All right, joining us today on the Raheel Show podcast right here on Podcast Arena and on Facebook Live. Uh, we've got a guy that I've known now for almost, I want to say, 11 years, 10 years. Something like Gosh, that. Gosh, since yeah. the 15, 60 days, yeah, right? We've been, uh, you've been interacting with me, and uh, we've chatted a few times, but you reached out. You're like, I want to be on the podcast. And I said, absolutely, because you have a great story to tell. And I think uh, for our listeners, we have a lot of young listeners also that are in college, and college is a tough time where you're trying to figure out what you want to do, and what you end up going to school for is what you're not going to do. That's the, the harsh reality. And uh, Adrian, you're a perfect example of this, or I think you are, because we'll get your story. He's active Adrian on Twitter and on Facebook also, A-C-T-I-V-E, Adrian. Uh, and also joining you is uh, one of your business partners uh, behind the Sneaker Summit storefront. You guys met at, a, at one of the Sneaker Summits? Yeah, the right? original Sneaker Summit we met back yeah. in uh, 04. Brian right. Angelo. Yes. Brian, Brian Angel- is also on the show. Brian, welcome into the show. Let me just... For the people on Facebook Live, I'll just show you what they look like. So you have a face to this. 
You have the face to the voices that are going to be on. And uh, let's get started, man, because this is a, an interesting time where if you love something that you do, and this was always the case, you can find a business, you can pursue it. But in something that is so silly in other people's minds, this is the harsh reality of it, and I hate saying it, but when you say, oh, yeah, this guy collects shoes for a living, <laughs> people laugh at you, right? Like even yeah. now, athletes that have rooms built out for just for their shoes, you laugh at them. But you figured it out, something that you love. And I know you love this because you've been, we've been talking about this for a long time where you're, you know the shoe collection, the hot new releases, all this stuff. You figured out now you're working – but you're working a business with this. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Just like uh, like going back to the, I guess, the typical story is growing up, you never had enough for shoes. Mm -hmm. So you always had to beg for that one pair, you know, and you finally got your parents to buy you that one pair. So that uh, cultivated the love for the for the shoes and the sneakers. And then when you finally get to start your career, you're like, oh, I can buy as many as I want. So, you you know, you, you start with a couple pairs and then the releases start uh, mounting up so you just start buying more and more every week then you figure out well if i buy five and i sell three or four of them my pair comes out free so that that uh grew into a collection of a couple thousand pairs and then when you know before social media we had uh forums you yeah. so nike talk forum was the biggest thing out there back in i think 99 is is when i found it um and there was a houston link so all the Houston guys got on there, and I met him on there first. You know, just pre before Twitter, you just you know exchange messages on the forum, um, and then we before we Twitter, before MySpace, before Facebook. Yeah, you didn't have any user profile pictures. It was just a screen name. Yeah. So we Brian, get closer to the mic here. Everyone okay. speak up a little because we're having little levels here. Okay, we okay. all yeah. kind of knew each other's screen name, but we had no idea what each other looked like. We could still share pictures on the bulletin board, so we knew what we had in each other's closet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about having a gathering or a get-together for a long time, but it never really happened. I think one day Adrian and I kind of put our foot down said, hey, you know, I think he had a place, a coffee shop in the back of downtown Industry Cafe. It's where Lucky's Pub stands now. Yeah. So right next door to Warehouse Live there on St. Emanuel by Houston Dynamo Stadium. And we gathered there with a, a couple of dozen friends from the message board. Yeah. This was like around 99, 2000 No, still? this was uh, 04, January 04. January yeah. 04. Yeah. That was the first sneaker summit. That was the, yeah, technically the, the first one. The, yeah. yeah, that was our first meetup Man. there. But before that, we had been bantering on the message board for, I want to say, a good couple of years yeah. before we met up in person. Yeah. And we got the idea from watching the, you know, the kids in New York and Chicago do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I saw it. Um, and then my friends were like, hey, we need to do this. And then, we, you know, it just grew and grew. And finally, it was like, all right, let's figure it out. Uh, like you said, Industry Cafe, my friend DJ there at night, because I guess at night they had DJs. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for a spot. You think we can use Industry? And so that turned into a meeting with them. And, you know, it, it just it came together easily. Mm -hmm. Like, I really didn't have to put much work into it and then just, posting it on the board, calling other friends that I knew had shoe collections, and uh, they would call their their buddies. And we ended up, like you said, with two dozen people, about 10 tables worth of shoes and inside of a coffee shop, and that turned into the first sneaker summit. Isn't that crazy, like, just to think about it now? And you mentioned, and I think this is a really important thing, uh, if you are thinking about something you love and you're like, how can I make this my profession? How can I make money doing what I love. And a lot, of, a lot of people have an issue and a hard time finding that certain thing. But I was talking to Todd, who's our, uh, who's our GM here. I call him GM. I don't know what his official title is, but he's, he and I exchange a lot of business ideas. He, he, exchanged, he motivates me a lot. And he talked about the uh, minimal viable product idea, the MVP product. And it's you start, you don't worry about the big term. Like you weren't, when you started, when you were just flipping shoes to pay for your own shoe, you weren't thinking, oh, I want to make a storefront out of this. You were just trying to, you're just trying to, okay, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to get this going right. and we'll figure out the next step. Yep. So that, taking that first step, it, it's risky. It's, you know, it can be overwhelming, but that's only if you have this huge end goal in mind. You just got to do it first. 
it's so important for people to think about that. So you go from the Sneaker Summit in 2004, the unofficial Sneaker Summit slash Sneaker Summit. Yeah. And then that's what, and 2007 is kind of when we ran to each other after you heard me on the radio and, the, and you started telling me more about it. What happened after that? What happened after the well, first Sneaker Summit and, and then from there? I can tell you, when I stepped out of the car at Industry Cafe that day, I heard a voice. Hey, look at that old dude wearing Jordans. You know, and I was in my late 20s at the time. So that, it was kind of uh, surprising to me that there were so many younger kids there. I thought a lot of people would have watched Jordan in his heyday actually play in mm-hmm. the shoes we were collecting. But that's when it dawned on me, like, it was going to be my responsibility to make sure this happened again. You know, so I told all the kids there, hey, when you get out of school for the summer or come home from college, we'll meet up again. So the summit started happening biannually, uh, every summer, every winter, um, whenever we got a break from school. Sure. And it just so happens that coincidentally, that's the two biggest uh, shopping holiday seasons is back to school and holiday. So as it started growing and friends started telling friends and family members and we moved from the coffee shop to nightclub to sports bar uh, to concert venues, and then in 2011, the Houston Rockets invited us to do Toyota Center, which we outgrew in only a year and uh, moved to NRG to an 80,000 square foot exhibit hall, you know, with over 250 exhibitors. And I think our biggest crowd's like 8,000 people in one day. That um, is incredible. But it's just a happy accident. Like yeah. Adrian said, you know, it started to fuel our own, you know, passion and desire for the next pair. And you still see that today when kids come in carrying boxes into the sneaker summit, they're trying to flip it for mm-hmm. the next pair. They're just looking for the next thing. And um, it just grew into a monster, and I became the guy trying to tame that monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian uh, worked in storefronts. You know, he worked at Active Athlete, Houston's yeah. oldest uh, mom-and-pop sneaker store. They've been there for going on 30 years now. And then he moved on to City Gear. Uh, where he was a buyer for like 130 doors throughout Mm -hmm. the Southwest. And, uh, you know, one day it just dawned on me, like, hey, we don't have to do 130 stores, but we could do one door. You know, (laughs) you have the retail experience. And, you know, I've been the creative force behind this event. Like, it's been uh, successful for a better part of 15 years. Let's provide a place for the other 360 days a year mm-hmm. where kids can come, you know, buy, sell, trade their shoes and move on to that next pair. So you, uh, Adrian, what did you go to school for, by the way? I was, um, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> it was a PC. I don't remember my major anymore. But I went to HCC. I got a basic, you know, two-year degree because I was yeah. in um, – um, Oh man, I was in in um, I worked for Walgreens and Fujifilm mm-hmm. in tech support, but mostly uh, mechanical, right? And I did that for 15 years, and then after and doing the sneakers on the side, yeah, you know, that was like my side hustle. Uh, and I would work at the mall. I worked at every shoe store. We got Foot Locker, Champs, Athlete's Foot, part time, just to be the stock boy, just so I can get my hands on my pairs, you know. Sure. So that was just for the love, and then. You know, paying the bills was was tech support. Um, and then one day I just like, I was like, I'm, I'm fed up. I don't want to do tech support anymore. So I walk into Active Athlete. I'm like, hey, you guys don't do Sneaker Summit. Why? And they're like, well, we don't have the manpower. I was like, well, let me do it for you. And I was like, I'm, so basically it turned into an intern job. It turned into being the Sneaker Summit guy for Active Athlete. To being the buyer, so just representing them at the actual sneaker yeah. summit. And for those of you don't who've never been to a sneaker summit or don't know what it is, I think a lot of listeners aren't into the culture yet. They're not sure. You know, they obviously know about how popular shoes are and all, all that good stuff. But sneaker summit, it, it, like you mentioned, it's a gathering. But now it's turned into where uh, there's over how many exhibitors that come out there. They have their little space and they bring their best stuff. And you're trying to sell, barter, uh, upgrade your mm-hmm. collection. It's just a, it's like a bazaar almost where if you look at, I went to Dubai recently and they have all these bazaars there where you're just trying to get your hustle on. You're trying to upgrade this. You come in with this, you leave with that. You're bartering that old mentality of being able to strike a deal 
I mean, you, you're using all those facets of life in there. So that's what the Sneaker Summit is. So you were representing active athlete out there at Sneaker Summit. At Sneaker Summit, yeah. And okay. I did that. Basically, I interned for a year. And after a year of interning, I left tech support. And I was like, I, I want to be a buyer. I want to be in the industry now. So, you know, I, I worked there for four years as a buyer, you know, low level, just earning my stripes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started going to the con- fashion conventions every year, twice a year in Vegas. Wow. And from the, you know, I, I met, you know, all the ex- account execs, all the other retailers. And um, the guy at City Gear that actually plucked me from Active Athletes, also from Houston. So he called me up. He's yeah. like, hey, we got a position open in Memphis. You know, that's where uh, City Gear is based out of. He's like, if you want to move this to Memphis, there's a position for you. So I took it. And I went from buying for three doors here in Houston for a mom and pop to 130 doors at a more corporate level, which yeah. was. Um, a, How was that adjustment? Yeah, it was a big, uh, <laughs> big change. But, hey, I learned this. That, learn. Yeah. That year and a half there is what made this possible as far as opening the, the storefront. Yeah. Brian, what did you do before? I was an electrical designer. So I went to university downtown Houston and learned uh, computer computer aided drafting from a former uh, NASA engineer. Wow. Yeah. And did you at any point I think, a, like were you like my I at one point I'm going to I'm going to work in shoes in sneakers and make my passion my business. Never. It was just a happy accident. Like um uh, the sneaker summit I I worked as, as an electrical designer for 20 years and you know the passion grew as the event grew. And I always dreamed someday I'd be able to quit my job and mm-hmm. do Sneaker Summit full-time. And then the recession hit and made that dream a reality quicker than I wanted it to. And uh, that was all that I was left with. So I was like, I got to make this work. So, you know, I did little jobs here and there, Uber on the side, yeah. uh, Uni- United Airlines. You know, I chased every dollar to make the storefront a reality. And... Um, you know, with the success of the event and everything, it just all came together. That's uh, and that's the important thing here. And we'll we'll talk to actual shoes because I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this just for the shoe talk, and we will get to that. But uh, th- the main thing, and David, we've talked about this on the podcast, is we're going to have a topic. We're going to try to motivate some people, and I know a lot of younger people are listening. So that it, from this conversation, the first part of it, I want you to take away that. You might be in school for, you know, broadcasting. I'll give you my example quickly. I went to school for broadcasting. I worked in radio right out of school. And then out of nowhere, I'm working as a social media manager. So it's something I didn't go to school for. I had no idea. You just learn on the fly like you guys did. You figure out how can you make this work? How can you make, how can you turn something that you're spending so much time on already into a paycheck? So anyone that's listening, you're not, right now, you're in school, whatever you're in school for or whatever you think your goals are, they're going to adjust in five years. They're going to change in seven years. They're going to come back to different goals. So just take that from this first part of the conversation. So let's talk about the Sneaker Summit storefront now. Six months in and Sneaker Summit. So you got the actual summit. Are you still doing the summit? Yes. We're still doing those? Yeah. Uh, every is still twice a year now? Yeah, twice a year here in Houston. And we're about to celebrate the fifth anniversary of the All-Star Sneaker Summit where we follow around NBA All-Star Weekend. Nice. That's got to be a great yeah. energy. That's cool. I mean, uh, traditionally, it's the most celebrated weekend in sneakers. That's when all the ball players would wear their new kicks yep. on the court when the world was watching. You know, the top athletes battle it out on the hardwood mm-hmm. against each other. So uh, it does have that energy and atmosphere, yeah. definitely. And all the brands are there doing releases and activations, and you can go mm-hmm. to the mall and meet LeBron and Kyrie for free. Yeah. You know, Steph Curry, stuff like NBA that. NBA All-Star is huge for the, the sneaker game. And not only just the collection side of it, because you guys are traveling around. This is going to be your fifth one there. But for the actual brands, as you mentioned, they're doing a lot of releases. And before, it was always before the season you get a release, because, like, the new LeBrons are out, and that's what he's wearing this season. But now you're going to have special releases just for the All-Star game. And, man, if you hit that one out the ballpark, it's, I mean, as a brand, that's huge, right? Yeah, I make a joke. When I was growing up, I only had to worry about two shoes, the home and the away. Yeah. You know, the white pair and the black pair. Now there's almost a release every weekend. You got MLK release. You got (laughs) the MLK colorways. You've got, you'll have the uh, what does colorway, and then you'll have the all-star colorways, and you'll have this one, the all-black color. It's impossible to get every shoe now, but... It's still, to me, like, All-Star Weekend, Adrian, is still, like, I watch and I'm like, oh, man, 
is LeBron wearing his actual LeBrons or is he wearing the soldiers or is he wearing the yeah. next soldiers? Like, what is he wearing? What is Kyrie wearing? What are yeah, these that, guys? That's what we tuned in to every every year yeah. is to watch the All Star, see who's wearing what. Yeah, and you know, there'd be. I remember old brands like Dada had all platinum shoes with wheels. On. That was huge. Yeah, Chris Webber yeah. wore those, right? And, yeah, uh, that was like the big thing. And during the game, they would keep going to the sneakers. Yep. Gosh, for the longest time, and one as a brand, they would they yep. were one of the biggest parts of All Star Weekend because. They would team up with TNT. They would do a documentary. They would do this. Vince Carter has the greatest dunk contest ever in the Tai Chi mids, right? And, like, that changed their brand. Um, so that it's still a big weekend. So you guys are going to be there. You're going to have the actual uh, the sneaker summit there. So that's going on. And people can find all the information at Twitter. You can find it on t- Twitter at Sneaker Summit and also on the website, right? Yeah, online, sneakersummit.com. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, you can do that. Um, real quickly before I move to the storefront, we have a lot of questions and comments coming in, so let's catch up on those. And if you ever want to watch on Facebook Live, uh, our next episode is going to be Thursday, February 9th. It's going to be with Richard Burmaster, so you can watch that live. We're going to talk about religion, life, MMA, all that good stuff. Uh, but here's some questions coming in. David, he says, in the early 90s, I worked at Foot Locker, so I had 25-plus pairs back then. It was so much fun to collect. And it goes back to that old feeling of if you like, I couldn't afford my, we were a middle-class family. We had four kids in the house. I never got a new pair of Jordans until I was in the 11th grade, I think. And even then it wasn't the official Jordans. I got the Jumpman <laughs> because they were cheaper. Right. right. And they're the all zip up ones the the one that Ray Allen used to wear. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everyone has a story about, and then as soon as I was making money, guess what I did? I went and bought the newest shoes because I could. Right. So everyone has yeah. that story. And it goes back just to that that feeling of being a kid. You guys get to do that every single day. Yeah, like yeah. every release, I'm sure, Adrian, you feel like, man, that's awesome. I get like I still feel cool seeing those shoes, or I feel good seeing them. That's yeah, de- be cool. definitely. I mean, every every weekend you look forward to, hey, what's coming out? And um, now it's not so much as a collector. Now it's you know what what am I actually gonna wear? Mm-hmm. You know, can't can't collect everything can't buy everything no. you know how many how many shoes do you have right now in your personal collection uh i'm sh- i'm sure it's down to like 50 but i still acquire once a month yeah. even though i try not to you know like some vans just came out a couple of weeks ago from fa uh which is fucking awesome yeah and you know i, I didn't i wanted them but i at the same time i didn't want them because i have too many shoes but i ended up buying it anyway how about you, Brian? What's your personal I collection? I surpassed at? collector status into hoarder status oh, a long no. time ago. So I always say I'm like the old lady with cats, but yeah. it's shoes in every room of the house. And that's because, you know, I, I had a collection at one point, but then the event grew to where that took up most of my time and the collection had to take the back burner. But still, I kept amassing shoes to the point where I just couldn't take care of them anymore. And uh, opening the storefront helped that helped that out mm-hmm. because we started with two walls. It was my collection and Adrian's collection. Really? And now six months in, I think we have over 200 consignees and thousands of pairs of shoes in there. So, so real quickly, I want to uh, catch up on these and then because the storefront is fascinating to me. This really, I mean, it's a really cool concept. I'll, I'll explain it in a second. Uh, we got some other tweets coming in, or excuse me, comments on Facebook Live. My boy Rondo is listening. He's the other Raheel. He's the younger Raheel. He's not as good looking or athletic, so no. don't worry about that. But his nickname is Rondo, so we call him Rondo. He has a cleat collection, and he says, "Do you guys ever think you'll have cleats at sneakers?" We, we already do. You yeah, already yeah. do, right? Yeah. Adidas yeah. is making it cool yeah. with the Ultra Boost cleats that they released, the Yeezy cleats that they yeah. released. Um, and gosh, I mean, you go look at Nike's cleats. I mean, just entry level cleats now. Some of the top ones are like two fifty. $300, and they're collectibles. So you're not wearing them. So you already are in the cleat business yes. at Sneaker Summit. We just yeah. had Red Bull do an event at our store where they uh, soul-swapped a cleat with a Jordan, and then uh, Complex Magazine just bought a Yeezy cleat from our store for a similar uh, activation. They're wow. going to have an 18-year-old uh, YouTube superstar retro Snickers do a soul swap for in a video form. Yeah, it's so the soul swap is another thing of the industry in the industry now, where you're just taking shoot like you'll take the I, I this is the one uh, this is one I've I've looked at because I I think the LeBron Zoom Soldier Nines are the best basketball shoes you can play in like the greatest. 
performance shoe, I think, ever, right? I love those shoes. And I said, man, how can I get those on a football cleat uh, base? How can I get on a softball cleat base? Yeah. And people are doing that now. Yep. Yeah. They've taken that idea of, oh, you love your Jordans? You love your uh, newest ones? Come on, let's swap them out. Yeah. And we'll put that base. That's just like it, the it's, industry. It's a billion-dollar industry, right? Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Reebok, everybody. But the sub-industries are legit now. Yeah. And it's starting yeah. to become that. And Sneaker Summit Storefront is one of those things. So you guys have taken that concept of, the actual Sneaker Summit Exchange, the festival, as I call it, and you've put it into the storefront. So explain mm-hmm. how that all started and exactly what happens at the storefront. So when I moved to Memphis, I was there, you know, learning the corporate way of buying. And then after a year and a, about a year there, I was like, um, I need to move back home. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, we would talk once a month. And you know, the conversations grew from just an idea to, hey, we can really do this. Let's come up with a business plan. So we made a business plan. Um, and then I moved back in July and June, and we went full forward with, with it. You know, we had some stumbling blocks along the way. Yeah, we had some business partners that we wanted to include, but that didn't happen. We went to, um, to Vegas for the Agenda uh, fashion show. And, you know, we changed our mind, but then finally we came back and we're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Let's go f- full force with it. And uh, the idea bas- basically came from going to New York, L.A., and Vegas every year. It's like, you know, they have consignment collectibles stores, mm-hmm. not just for shoes. It could be for apparel, for toys. It's like, why does Houston not have one? You know, people have tried it before, but they've never done it to the scale of, of those other cities. Yeah. So, like, we can do it. You know, the name is trusted. We've been around. Uh, people know us. Uh, we have a lot of connections. Just the, the two of us, we have the, the relationships that we needed. And, um, yeah, after finding the spot right there on 59 and Shepherd, we uh, started building out. And, like you said, we started with two walls. You put One, your own co- collections up there. Yep. That emptied out my garage and took everything up there, put so, it up on the wall. So from there, a person can just come into the store. And if they like a pair of shoes, it's in their size. They they can straight up buy it from you, or can they barter with you and they bring in something else? How does that work? Is it like the festival where it's a pretty much a free for all and we'll make this work, or is it like a Foot Locker where you go in and go, hey, do you have these in size nines? It's, it's yeah, it's not quite a free for all because we we still have to run a business and be profitable. Yeah, and just swapping is not making us any income. Uh, but we do talk to uh, we do take certain trades on certain shoes. Uh, but it, it doesn't happen every day, not all the time. Mm-hmm. So mostly, yeah, you walk in, it's like Foot Locker. This is the price. We're, we're selling other people's uh, belongings. So a, that person has a price that they want, that sure. they have set on it, and they want to be paid. So, yeah, it's, the price is 250 or 300 You know, that's the price you're going to pay. That's a, that's a great concept, man. That's something that you, you're right. Chicago, New York, L.A., all these big cities have it, and you'll see it like a you know a lot of a lot of the big blogs will take people to those stores, and uh, yep. I think Complex does the yep. uh, shopping with the celebrity, right? Correct. Like, and they'll take somebody in there, and then the final bill comes out, and I'm always like, how do you maintain that collection? But it's because they're probably selling somebody else's shoes for them, and you're taking a percentage out of that. Correct. Correct. It, it's an interesting concept, and it's a concept that wasn't here in Houston because if you didn't get the new Yeezys or the retro releases. You're out of luck unless you're going to find it on Craigslist. And then you got to deal with the whole nightmare of do you want to take $1,200 <laughs> to a public place? Yeah. yeah. You know, so that stuff like that, that's cool. That there's a, and it's also a safe place to go do it. That's, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, how's, it, how's the response been in the community so far for Sneaker Summit? The response has been good. Uh, we, like I said, we have nearly 300 consignees. So shoes belonging to almost 300 people in the storefront now. So it's had a warm welcome. A lot of people still don't know that we're there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just stumble upon it driving past and seeing the sign. Um, so it is an, it is the new business, even though the event has been around for 15 years. Uh, it's, it's still growing, but it's really taken off. I think we're ahead of schedule where we wanted to be on a lot of things and then behind schedule on some others. But um you know, we really had no idea what we were doing aside from my experience in the community and 
fashion and Adrian's experience and with his retail background mm-hmm. and being in the industry. But that really uh, kind of prepped us unknowingly for this business plan. Yeah, not, neither one of us ever started a store or put a store together. But like you said, uh, he's the creative and I ran the numbers yeah. and it worked on paper. And so, it wor- it's working now. And now it's right? working now. In That's awesome. Life. And so my next question is for any advice that you have for people that are thinking about something, you know, just chasing that dream, finding that niche and going after it, whether it be collectibles like that or toys or, you know, you want to start a fitness company. I, I don't care. What's that feeling like when you finally have that plan? You're ready to go. What What does it even feel like? Because I've never done something like that. I was just... What do you, what's going through your mind? I mean, because that's a huge risk because not only are you risking everything for you, but you guys have other interests that you're risking, right? So yeah. what's that feeling like? I mean, we risked it all. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, you know, I just put my name on the line, and there's a lot to lose there, but I believed in myself, and um, I think that, you know, I didn't want to live the rest of my life saying what if, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, we planned very hard and laid out everything in front of us and, uh, you know, took a calculated risk and dove in head first. And, um, you know, thankfully things are working out right now. Yeah, it was, it was a six to eight month planning process. Yeah, yeah it, it, It's a lot of conversations, a lot of paperwork. Um, yeah, we just didn't, you know, decide to open the store one day. It, it, it took a lot of planning, like you said, and we did risk a lot. Yeah. You know, I have a family. He has a family. We have employees now. Um, you know, we respond, we're responsible for all yeah. these people. So That's kind of for, for a personal level for you, Adrian. I mean, you you left your – you're like, all right, I'm in now. I'm in. I, I'm, in I'm with uh, City Gear doing uh, – that's a huge job, being a buyer for something somebody that big. That's a huge job. Some people work their asses off their whole life to get there. I'm not saying that you didn't either, but – that's a risk that you're like, man, am I about to leave the culmination of all this hard work mm-hmm. for an unknown? What was that like personally for you? Um, you know, it was, it's a, a little bit nerve wracking, but, you know, I, I had conversations with my wife constantly and with her support. You know, I have a couple mentors I talk to, mm-hmm. you know, people in, in the industry that, uh, you know, guided me along and helped me with my career. And they're like they we had meetings with these people and they they supported us and they're like you guys have a good plan mm-hmm. you guys are recognized you have the right relationships and so with with that all that we were confident that we could do it how much happier are you guys now oh i'm definitely <laughs> happy like i tell people all the time like um i don't know you know money doesn't necessarily equal success or happiness i think it's important to be happy doing what you do and you know it's true what they say if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life and yeah. you know I go to work every day and I don't feel like I'm working you know I love what I do I'm having fun mm-hmm. so I, I probably work too much I work till I just fall out exhausted sometimes yeah, yeah. because I, I don't realize it's work I'm doing what I love each and every day and there's rarely a boring day at the storefront like we get people from Dubai, China, Japan, Mexico, all coming looking for this rare coveted pair that they'll probably never see again in their life, you know, or bringing in uh, fake shoes and fake credit cards. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, I mean, like he said, you know, if you're doing what you love, you don't work. But at the same time, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, You know, we've been friends forever and we still argue. Sure. About the business, you know. That's a, that's always gonna happen. It, yeah. That that's one of my favorite things to do is when I'm out, and you go when you go to a corporate run place. Like I'll take restaurants for example. When you go to a place that is, uh, you it's not yours. You're working for somebody else. You can see that it's work on somebody's face. But when you go to a mom and pa restaurant, you walk in and you see the owner there every single day, and you're like, man, do you ever get tired? And like, no, this is this isn't work. This is. This is my, you know, this is like my dream. This is my entity. This is, this is not work. This is just me being happy. And they're always there. That happiness is, it's exhausting, as you mentioned, Brian, Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, And I'm sure it is for a lot of people, but it's not work. It's because you want to be there. And that when you find that, man, it's such a good feeling. Yeah. It's almost like I bought myself a job. Yeah. Like (laughs) I was looking into other avenues to expand my career. 
Like uh, I interviewed to be the creative director for Street League Skateboarding, mm-hmm. the contest that they have on uh, Fox Sports One. Yeah. And then also a marketing executive at Complex Con, the new con that Complex Magazine is doing. And I didn't get those jobs. And I was I was kind of bummed out about it. And I was just like, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it for myself. You know, because I already had what I believe to be the biggest sneaker event out there. I kind of want to further my career and do the, the biggest skateboarding contest or the biggest con and then, mm-hmm. You know, maybe one day I'm doing iTunes Music Festival. Who knows, you right. know? But uh, I said, okay, well, I'm not going to get these jobs. So what do I have going for me that I can make work for me? And I still do that. Like I told you when I was, uh, you know, chasing every dollar to open the storefront. I took a job at United Airlines. Yeah, the pay sucked, but I was getting free flights, mm-hmm. you know. And now I can go to L.A. and New York and and every day off and buy stuff for the storefront and bring it back and, you know, make money that way. So it's just, you know, taking what you have and using it to your advantage. A lot of people don't think about what they do have. Yeah. That could fill those gaps. That, that hustle, that, that hustle spirit, it goes hand in hand with the, the sneaker revolution in terms of the secondary market. Like you guys mentioned, you, you started from hustling, right? You got, Mm -hmm. you just want to, Get your shoes paid. And then from there, how can I turn this festival even bigger? I'm going to hustle this. Like you just mentioned right now, how can I get the storefront going? That hustle side of it, it's so underlooked with business because you can come from a wealthy background and not anything against wealthy kids. I feel like all three of us in here, I don't know y'all's personal backgrounds, but I can just tell from y'all's story that we all came from similar backgrounds where we had to hustle. We had to just make things work. And if you wanted something, you probably won't get it, so you hustle. That's hard to teach, and that's something that now a lot of kids don't have, I feel like. That hustle is gone. That hustle. Yeah, it's, it's rare. You, it, it, you don't find a kid hustling. No. Uh, not at Sneaker Summit. At Sneaker Summit, there's a, lot of hustlers. <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of hustlers. I mean, we got kids that come in all the time. Hey, let's make a deal. Like, not today. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, we're in the back taking care of business or planning an event or paying bills, and they want to do a trade or barter. And, uh, you know, sometimes we will, but very rarely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of hustlers at, at the storefront, at the event. You know, they're looking to flip shoes. And I think, you know, some kids uh, come in there, and they'll they'll turn, like, eight pairs of shoes in a five-hour event. Wow. Or we have a customer that came in from Chicago, and he paid his college tuition flipping shoes. Get out of here. Yeah. That's incredible. I want a uh, here's a quick flip for you, and I want to hear y'all's best flips also, okay? Because I think this is a fun. Uh, and, and now I want to talk. All the all the good business stuff is done, and you can check out Sneaker Summit fifty nine and Shepherd also sneakersummit.com. You can follow them on Twitter at active adrian at sneaker summit for Brian, um, and you can get all that good stuff there. Interact with them. You can reach out to them if you have any questions regarding any shoes or anything like that. Um, couple years ago, I won a free James Harden jersey. This was when they were making the Western Conference Finals run uh, against the Clippers when they had the, the miraculous comeback. Right, right, right. And I won a free James Harden jersey. So everyone's like rabid fans of the Rockets all of a sudden. So I won this free jersey on Twitter through some contests. I flipped that for $75. Flipped that $75 into a pair of shoes from a friend at Nike resold those for 150 and end up getting new shoes for 100 bucks out of a jersey like <laughs> it's so quick it's just cause if you want something you will figure it out you will figure it out and i could absolutely at this point just go and buy the shoes full price it's not a big deal but that hustle that <laughs> yeah. there's something about turning one thing into that ultimate goal because you're like and i said I'm going to turn this jersey into a pair of basketball shoes because I'm going to do it. Even though I could just go into Foot Locker and buy them or whatever, right? What's your best flip? Man, I'd say it's still going from the coffee shop to the storefront. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But um, I have a pair of uh, autographed Kobe Bryant Nike basketball shoes that I like a lot um, that I won in a raffle. I haven't flipped it, but I obtained those. I'm very lucky to have those. Um I mean, we flip stuff at the storefront every day. Just sold a pair of Vans uh, designed by the artist Cause for $700. 
on Why? the on the internet. Yeah. Um, I can't think of some of the higher. Just oh, okay. Flips. Well, <laughs> I had one of uh, Kanye West first shoes that he designed. It's a Bapesta, which is a Japanese brand, a bathing ape. I don't know okay. if you've ever seen the ape head that a lot of rappers wear. Yeah. But before Kanye was on Nike, before he was on Adidas, he designed a Pro Keds, and then he designed this Bapesta. So I had those in the store, and that was kind of like our marquee piece. Like, it was a size 11, and they don't make size 11s in Japan no. very often, if you guys don't know that. They're, they usually stop at like 10, 10 and a half. So uh, one day, Travis Scott came in our store the night before the Kanye West concert, and he's like, I want to buy those shoes. I'm going to get Kanye to sign them. And uh, he bought the shoes for $5,000. Wow. So that's probably one of my biggest flips. And, um, you know, I'm sad to see those shoes go, yeah. but I have a story now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you got money out of it. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's cool. How about you? What's your best flip? It doesn't have to be business related. Just a personal flip. I can't. I was trying to jog my memory, see what, but over the years, you know, just making so much money. I've paid off vehicles. I bought my mom a car. Just different things like that. Been just, just for from, flipping just for shoes. shoes. Just for flipping shoes. It's amazing, man. That that it's crazy that you guys have taken something that we all dream about and actually doing it. And you get to live in this. And now you have a business. That's the American dream, honestly. And it's and I know it's sappy to say sometimes like that's the American dream. Yeah. But that really is. And that's what it's all about is finding that thing you love going at it figure it out it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a storefront right from the get-go you just just take that next step take that next step and then that big step will be there soon enough because i mean this next thing we know i'm talking to you in five years and now i'm going to be going brian and adrian sneaker summit now 500 locations right you never know what the next yeah, we'll big see. step is right <laughs> but it's uh it, it's you just gotta take it you gotta yeah, take that definitely. step and you gotta drop that fear and just go for it all right so all the business stuff aside now let's talk shoes when when did it all start? When did this when did this revolution start? Not with you guys because you guys are doing it on the forums in '99. We all grew up, you know, the kid who had the newest shoes. And you're like, man, that kid has a new. I want those shoes, yeah. and that's always happened in our lives. When did it go mainstream? I want to say you. We were arguing about this the other day. What was the first, I guess, celebrity signature sneaker? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it started with the uh, Converse Chuck Taylor, followed shortly after the Jack Purcell. And then, you know, you had guys like Larry Bird and Dr. J. But then when uh, Michael Jordan got his shoes, you know, that was a big deal. And then Run DMC shortly after. But the thing Jordan did in those shoes and winning the six rings and the dunk contest and all those accomplishments, it was almost like, when you put those shoes on, you were like dressing up as Superman for Halloween or something. Yeah. You know, you almost had magical powers when you put those things on your feet. So I think a lot of kids gravitated towards that, even though they probably never touched a basketball in their life. Or saw him play. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> now but they just saw <laughs> yeah. those shoes. And yeah. That was, but even like when I was in middle school, 96, 97, 98, 99, when Jordan's putting out his classic shoes i mean like now shoes from the 90s 96 97 right around there those are the ones that everyone's collecting you got the space jam all that stuff right mm-hmm. i still remember being able to go to first colony mall or whatever mall and you can still buy a pair there wasn't like a a mad dash for them there wasn't a weight will they sell out yeah but you could still get your hands on these shoes when did it start like I, when did that whole thing start where I would, you know I, what I'm talking about? Yeah, where, I like think a shoe releases, it's impossible to some, get, a, get somewhere your hands between 04 and 07. I, I think is when because that's when the camping started outside the malls mm-hmm. and breaking down the doors to get in to be first. All the negative crap that right. came with it. Yeah. yeah. So I think around that time is when, you know, the the masses were like, okay, we need we need the shoes. We need to go get them. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna do whatever it takes. Somewhere so that and that's right about where the re-releases started too, right? Like the I retro think releases. It, I think it had to do with the power of the internet and social media, and you know, people before they always talked about shoes. Mm-hmm. It may have been at the barber shop or the basketball court or school, 
but the internet gave it a platform to become a worldwide phenomenon yeah. to where yeah. I was importing, exporting with, you know, friends in Japan or Australia or, you know, we sell to, to China sometimes. So now it's a worldwide phenomenon where you have all these people all over the world looking for the same pair of shoes that drop on the very same day. So it's kind of almost a supply and demand kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, but a lot of people ask me that, what do you think about all the negative things that sneakers bring? But it's not just sneakers, it's anything. I mean, it's a it's a $10 toaster on Black Friday or it's the iPhone, you know, yeah, 8. Whatever. And you people know? get shot. Here's the other thing. Here's the people don't report this because it's just part of the robbery. People get shot over iPhones too. Yeah. Yep. People get yep. shot over purses. People get shot over this, but because it's so sensational, the sensationalism that comes with kid was shot over his Jordans, mm-hmm. which happens. Absolutely, it happens, right? Because yeah. there's a value there, and it's always happened. But it happens with every product. It yeah. happens with so many things. So the negative side, and then you're right that you know you you see the camping stuff. This is what I don't understand why people hate that because it doesn't impact your life. No one's saying, hey, Jim, you have to go camp for these. No. If you want them, you gotta, then you got to go get them. And that's, if that's what you have to do, that's what you got to do. But no one's forcing you to do it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's another reason we want, wanted to open the storefront is because, you know, our goal at Sneaker Summit is, you know, the event and the storefront is to provide – a fun and safe place for people to come celebrate sneaker culture, yeah. whether it be at the event or the storefront. You know, we've had people come to our store and do a meetup, you know, or a trade inside the store or safe bring place. a pair of shoes that they bought on Craigslist and bring them to the storefront. Like, hey, are these real? I got a good deal on them. And we're like, no, yeah. here's why. <laughs> yeah. So educating yeah. the, the younger generation yeah. also is a big part of what we do. Yeah, if somebody's selling you a pair of Yeezys for two hundred bucks right now, they're probably not real. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, let's be careful about that. That's that's the other thing, the the fake the market that has risen because of this. I mean, for me, I, I'm just a casual guy in all this, right? Like I just I see a pair, I'm like, man, that's nice. I want to have it. I usually don't end up with them, right? But when I do, and then I see like the fakes online, I'm like, man, how do you even tell? Yeah, we they've, they've gotten it down to a pretty good science. We will not take a shoe in unless we can authenticate it. And to authenticate it, we almost have to have a side-by-side comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, at the storefront, we do what we call legit checks for free because it helps us sure. see what the counterfeiters are doing. Oh, yeah. And usually upon the first release, it's bad and you can really tell, but they'll refine it and get better and better mm-hmm. to where – it gets very, very subtle to the texture of the material, to a different shade of color, to the, to font. the font on to the, the box font. tags yeah. and hang tags. It's just, it, it's really difficult if you do not have something to compare side by side. Um, for me, uh, the sneaker revolution like really hit, hit the mainstream. And I think maybe this is giving too much credit to one guy because he's my favorite artist of all time. But when Kanye started designing the Nikes and he started putting out the Yeezys back then, the first ones, you're like, oh, damn, these are, this is so different that it's, I don't know if it's going to work or not. Then it does. It's impossible to get a hold of those because they only released how many of the first, the first uh, iteration it, of the Yeezys. It was a, it was a limited release. Yeah. Only a, a couple of retailers per city. So yeah. I, actual numbers, who knows, but. Like less than a thousand? More no, than that? What more, do you get? Like, give me a rough ballpark. 10,000 maybe? 10,000. So yeah. that's, a, that's. That's nothing, that's for, nothing for the U.S. Hell yeah, no, that's nothing. And then, so that one, you, you know, as a fan, I'm like, oh, I got to get these. And then I'm like, whoa, how much are these now? First of all, the base price on those, I believe, was like 300, 350. Yeah, around there. The box price was about 250, was in, 300. This was in 2006, 2007, uh, right there? Yeah, right in there. Right in there. Yeah. Then the Yeezy 2s come out where the, the Red October is just, that's when I knew, like, holy shit. This is for real. Like, where... <laughs> Yeah. Those shoes are selling for three hundred, but now they're on eBay for nine thousand, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and something that's, is going on. Yeah, they dropped those online only because they kept pushing the date back, mm-hmm. pushing the date back, and then one day just it popped up online and sold out instantly. Yeah, and it's you know supply and demand. You can't get them, so you know, the price goes up. Yeah, how important or how important or not important has Kanye been to the mainstream push for sneakerheads and? The shoe, the shoe sneaker revolution. 
Yeah, course. he's def he's a designer. Well, he labels himself a designer, so he's taking it to the next level. Now you see yeah. um, uh, high fashion brands collabing. You know, Travis Scott just had a helmet laying. I know that's apparel, not shoes, but I don't think you would see that before. No. Before Kanye. Didn't Rihanna have a Puma collection? Yeah, that Puma. And, like, yeah. and you're just like, mm-hmm. all, everyone had, and this has always been the case, though. I mean, Jay-Z had the deal with Reebok yeah. mm-hmm. back then, which was the shot, shot uh, S-Doc Carter. Right? Yeah, and Reebok also, are like, all right. Reebok also had 50 Cent and yeah. Pharrell back then. Uh, you see Puma with Rihanna and Kylie Jenner. Uh, the weekend. Who else do they have? Uh, 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 Migos, yes, Jules. They have, yeah. to, but like this yeah. is this has been going on since the early two thousands of yeah. getting entertainers to collaborate with a, a sneaker company. But Kanye's taken it to a level where I've never seen it. Like it, when a Kanye release is announced, all the blogs, all the websites, all the Twitter pages, <laughs> it turns into Yeezy watch for that month. Exactly. You yeah, know, like, I mean uh, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's a PR machine. Yeah. So he, takes what he did for his career now he puts it into shoes um looking at some of the comments here real quickly i'm going to catch up and uh josh aka uh our man el jefe he listens to the show all the time he's a big fan of y'all's and uh he's he his collection is pretty outstanding and he says i feel like when instagram was just starting to get popular around 2012 to 2015 a lot more people really got into it and they realized that they could resell it but i think at the same time though I know in the seventy two tens, that was such a huge release for for the mainstream, the casual guy who just wants the Jordans, and they're like, "I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna flip it, and I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna make a thousand bucks off this." <laughs> but Nike countered the market then, and they over released, right? Like you can get them at at some um, at Nike outlets in Chicago. We saw we were discussing this on Twitter. Yeah, Nike is yes. kind of combating this a little bit. Yeah, they did. Uh, Jordan and Nike saw the what. I think Flight Club caught their attention, and they're like, why is the, the aftermarket making so much money? And we need to capture some of those dollars. Yeah. If they're, they're selling at the aftermarket for so much and people are buying them, you know, we need to release more pairs. We need to raise the, the retail a little bit. Has that hurt y'all's business at all? Uh, it's hurt, not ours, but it's hurt the, uh, you know, the startup kid, you know, the guy that wants to buy two, three pairs and flip them. Yeah. You know, it's cut those guys' profits down, so... Less people. I want to say less people are trying to do it, but you you look and I think it's more people trying to flip shoes. You feel like yeah, more people, right, Brian? Like yeah. I can. Yeah. You can go on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, yeah. anywhere, and if you put it in, you know, if I want the Space Jams in size eleven, you'll probably pay like sixty dollars over retail, mm-hmm. if that. Like it's because there's so many out there now. Yeah, I mean they definitely are trying to capture some of that resale market, and it doesn't hurt that they're making more pairs available. It just, you know, like back in the older days, like you were talking about, you could go to the mall and still find the shoes, but they still acquire value over time. Mm-hmm. And so. Josh makes the same point is, uh, excuse me, it seems like a lot of new releases are just sitting. Like yeah. you can you can just go. Ca- I remember the, 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 the Martians uh, space, uh, not the space, the Martian Jordan releases from a couple years back. The one with the, uh, the neon highlight on them. Yeah. They're like on, you can see on Sneaker Steel now. You're like, oh, yeah, they're 115 yeah. You can just get them. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, they try to hype these up, but when you oversell it. And I think that's a good thing. I think it was you and I that got into a discussion about this. I, I'm like 99% sure it was us two were talking about this, whether it was at a broadcast or on Twitter. But I like the fact that Nike's like, you know what? We're going to make it accessible to everyone, especially shoes. Like, I want to buy every single Yeezy that comes out, but I can't because they're never available. And... I know most people will pay over retail, and they will pay $700 for them, but I'm not. And if I don't get a pair, not a big deal. But as an Adidas consumer, if I know, hey, you put out new shoes, you can capture me for the next 10 releases because I don't mind paying 220 bucks for the shoes, and I want to get every colorway. What do you guys think about that, so, that economy there? So Jordan, Jordan has a, I guess, allocation plan, right? They're going to make X amount of... Jordans for this release, and they expect this amount to, to mm-hmm. sell, right? 97%, 95%. And this is tracked very closely. This is the my corporate, you know, um, uh, my corporate... Um, background training. Background, yeah, training yeah. coming out. This. So once once they stop hitting those high 90s, mm-hmm. then they, they adjust. Now they're going to start cutting the allocation, 
right? There's some shoes you know they're always gonna sell, like Space Jam, uh, yeah, Eleven. That's, yeah. that's it's always gonna sell. But any other, other Martians or any of these other new colors, they're just gonna start slowly cutting it back, cutting it back, and Until so it brings the, dem- the demands yeah. back up, right? So it's it's cyclical, I guess. You mm-hmm. you push it as far up as high as possible as with the retail and the number of pairs in the market, and when that bursts, you bring it back down yeah. and build it back up. What do you uh, think is going to happen with Adidas and Yeezy? Are they ever going to adjust or are they happy and satisfied with the aftermarket profiting off of this as opposed to them profiting even more by releasing more? What do you think? Brian? I think that they want to adjust, but um, the Yeezy uses the new boost material that's in the outsole of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what we've heard, the production is limited in that material. They're making as much as they can, but they it's become so popular in not only the Yeezys, but also the running shoes, yeah. the Ultra Boost, the Adidas NMD. You know, everybody wants a pair of these Adidas Boost mm-hmm. shoes, yeah. and they simply can't make enough at the moment to meet the demand. So I think in that- a couple of years, you may see more and more go into production, and it may do what Jordan's doing now, kind of taper off. But you always, as a brand... You know, coming from the creative background, you have to keep that lightning in a bottle. You have to make people want it. Mm -hmm. Like the kid that's in high school mowing lawns for a pair of Jordans, you know, I tell Adrian this. He's not going to spend $200 on a pair of shoes if it becomes like a a used vehicle and it depreciates as soon as he drives it off the lot. You know, you see kids that come to Sneaker Summit, they spend $200 on a pair of shoes so they can wear it and sell it for 500 and buy a brand new pair of shoes again. You know, so that's that's what's happening there. They want to spend their money on something that has an inherent value. And I think it's teaching these young kids a valuable lesson about money and finances. And, I mean, yeah, you can be stupid, too, and get a credit card and max out your credit card on all these shoes. But if you're smart, you can make a lot of money you know, collecting sneakers and selling sneakers. Yeah, and I, I think I did has figured it out with the boost. So they have the Kanye to uh, bring up the brand. You know, sure. like he said, lightning in a bottle. That's the that's the Kanye release. Now that trickles down to all the other boost uh, footwear that's out there. You know, he, he puts it on. He plays basketball in it. Walks around New York with it. All of a sudden, everybody wants that shoe. Yeah. And what is it? It's just a, a Adidas running shoe. And, but it has a technology, so it has a value to it there. Um, so, so yeah, you have both. You have the lightning in a bottle, collectible, and then you have the Ultra Boost NMD and everything else that comes along with it. Yeah. That's, that's a like, lower price point, more available. Yeah, like the Ultra Boost Uncaged, those are the, those are really hard to get also, yeah. you know, on a certain level. You can get them, but like if you want the newest ones there's going to be a big release and you got to get in line but i do like that the companies are adjusting and they are making it easier you can try to get the reservations in you can you know the the website now they got to figure out the bots they got to figure out what on like saturday mornings yeah. i think nike's done a pretty good job of it because everyone for the space jams at least i had 10 friends that were buying it we all got them yeah i feel yeah. like they've kind of figured out adidas though man yeah, it is hard. We is have hard. Uh, click parties, what we call them at the store, yeah. where we'll all we'll sit in our office and we'll pull out our phones, every device that we have. And I think last time we were zero for seventeen. Wow, that's <laughs> tough, man. And, and they're not you as a as a retailer, as somebody that knows the industry. I'm sure you know some of the higher ups, and you do also, Brian. Yeah. They're not giving, nobody's getting hooked up with any of these. Well, I mean, right? we have I a lot like of it's... different methods for obtaining shoes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about relationships, too. Sure. You know, and there's still some old school mom and pops that'll hold you down if you've been a customer for a long time. Even on the, the chain store apps, like, you can earn what they call a head start because you're a VIP. platinum VIP, which yeah. means you spent $300 there in a in a year's time. So I think it's still kind of old school business where you take care of them, they'll take care of you. Sure. And a lot of mom and pops still do that on the side, and then the corporate guys are doing it on the app. Gotcha. So, so before we get out of here, we, are, we do have to wrap up. We're about to hit the one-hour mark here, and I want to always keep it about 115. Um, 
here's uh, Josh. He's still listening. El Jefe says the Space Jams that released this December. I think it was a perfect release because anyone that really wanted a pair was able to get a pair, but they also sold out, and there's still a resale market for them. Only people who didn't get a pair were the lazy ones who woke up too late on Saturday. And even then, like, I checked at 2 o'clock, and I was like, at some stores I called, and they said, yeah, we still have a few left. You can come on by. And I like that. That To me, that's just personally because I'm not dealing in this every day like you guys are. I'm just thinking as a consumer, if I want something, I should be able to get it, right? And, mm-hmm. and yeah, if I have to wait, that's not a big deal, but I should be able to get it. That's the brand's, you know, perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to release a million, two million pairs, and they'll no. be gone by the weekend. Great. But then you go to the store, and you still have all these retros sitting there. Yeah. All these Jordans sitting there. They don't want to see that. You know, they, they want... They want everything to be like, yeah. yeah to yeah. like the Space Jam. And sure. It's not going to be that. It's, it's not going to be that. Yeah. All right. So before we get out of here, uh, let me ask you guys some uh, fun questions. What's the, was the first shoe that you got where you were like, yes, I got them. I finally got these shoes. What was it? Well, it probably wasn't what I wanted. I probably wanted some Jordans, but I wasn't getting those because they were too expensive. But I remember I wound up with a Charles Barkley or 180 Air Max Force, I guess they mm-hmm. used to call it. And I remember when I wore those to school, I turned some heads and I was like, wow, man, I really finally got a pair of shoes that are catching people's attention. So that was the first one that I remember. What about a pair of shoes from your childhood that you didn't get that later on in life you did and you're like, <laughs> yes, this feels good. I know there's probably a lot for you guys. And I feel like you guys get any shoe you want. But is there? Do you still get? Is there still one out there, or was there one that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like Adrian said, it's all of them. Like that's what you're chasing is mm-hmm. just that. I guess it's like a, 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 you're chasing that rush. So every pair is like that for me. Awesome. That's what it is. A rush. How about you? What was your first one that you got? You're like finally. That I can them. remember. I mean, I remember the first time I went to the mall and they were retroing shoes. It was the fives, and they had all three colors. I'm like. I need all three of them. I bought them. Nice. That that same day. That was at Greens Point Mall. That was probably '99 or 2000. No way. Yeah, and because a buddy of mine, we're talking about it, and I'm like, I can't find them anywhere. He's like, yeah. Go to Greens Point. They got them. That's a great and, thing, man. That, that's a great thing about shoes is, uh, you know, all guys and even women now, you know, with the high higher end designer shoes, I'm sure they they have these conversations like, I finally got this or whatever. But for guys, uh, if you grew up playing any sports or if you were if you had boys that had good shoes. You, everyone has that story. Like, man, I can't believe I finally got these or I finally I came across these and I was able to buy them. Everyone has that story. Yeah. And it's something that we can all relate to. And, and it's so cool to see you guys make a living out of this. And I truly am. Like, I love sharing y'all's story. And uh, people can find you guys on Twitter, on the, on the website, at the storefront. You guys are cool dudes. If you have any questions, hit these guys up. Uh, I trust them, so you, you should definitely. Well, I don't trust you, Brian, because I don't know you. I'm just going <laughs> to but I know Adrian trusts you, so we're good. Yeah. No, it's a cool thing, man. You guys are uh, you guys are an inspiration for a lot of people, and I know some people might listen to this podcast and go, "What? This is so dumb." We're talking about shoes, but it, the underlying tone of this is chase your dream, right? Figure out what you want to do and go do it. Definitely yeah. chase your dream. You know, do what you love to do and work hard at it. And sometimes your dream will just unfold ahead of you. And when it does, you know, don't be afraid to take that next step. Website, uh, by the way, my boy uh, John is listening. John Celine, my financial advisor, is listening to the show. So I'm sure he's like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> like, Why is Raheel going to go to the store afterwards? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the website is sneakersummit.com, right? Correct. Sneakersummit.com. I'm posting it right now on uh, the comments. Uh, any last words, guys? Uh, any, anything people need to be on the lookout for? The new Yeezys are launching. I think that's, well, that's uh, why Adrian yeah. and I discussed this. Yeah. Like, I would love to time it out this week because the interest level is so high. I think we brought you a gift. And yeah, we, we designed some hats with uh, Bun B of UGK, oh, sh- the nice. H-Town uh, New Era Cap Pack. So oh, that's wow. available now at the storefront and uh, select lids locations. Dude, thank you so much. You guys didn't have to do yeah, that. That's we awesome. designed hats for all the Houston sports teams, uh, Houston Rockets, Houston Astros, Houston Texans. So you teamed up yeah. with Bun B to yeah. uh, do this, and I'll show these on uh, camera. And if you are listening to the podcast, I'll also post pictures on Twitter. And on the profile of this podcast, you got the old school Stroh's logo. Yeah. Damn, that is nice. We designed those in our office at the Sneaker Summit storefront. And, um, you know, that's what Sneaker Summit's about. It's not just about shoes. I like to say that, you know, everyone that's interested in sneakers, your outfit starts with the shoes, but then it goes up. So 
um, that's you know, awesome, man. New that's... Era came by and Bun came in and we designed those hats and it's a limited edition. It's available See, now. This and, is the one right here. Yeah, when they're gone, when they're, they're, they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Dude, this yeah. is right here because I could. That's... I never had a Rockets jersey growing up because we once again like we just couldn't afford it, right? Yeah. I had a Elijah Wan dream, like a practice jersey that my dad bought at Sam's for like 20 bucks. And I still have that jersey because now I own like a bunch of jerseys. I went through a phase where I was just buying every jersey that I could. Uh, but this logo is dear. It's like near to my heart, man, because it reminds me of, damn, I wanted that so badly. And, and like now when I got something like you guys see me, I'm like lighting up right now. This is. That that's the feeling you get. Yeah, man. that's a that's cool the thing. Rush. That's the rush. That is looking awesome, for. man. And uh, you guys teamed up with Bun B for this. You guys are working with new era designing stuff, man. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I mean, that is awesome, man. I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you. So Thank here it is, you. guys. The new hat, and I'll post these in the podcast link also. Uh, you guys give a plug for the uh, website and shoe store one more time. It's sneakersummit.com. The store is on uh, 59 and Shepherd, uh, next to Star Pizza and Waterburger. So if you pass those two up, you've gone too far. 59 Shepherd, yep. right there, exit, uh, the address, uh, somebody's asking for the store address. Uh, 3814 South Shepherd Drive, Houston, Texas, 77098. Yep. And you can find everything else, sneakersummit.com. We're on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Sneakersummit. Love it, guys. Thank you so much, Adrian, Brian. We appreciate it. I'll talk to you probably in a couple of years when you guys are running 100 stores. <laughs> And that's yeah. the next goal, right? That's Hopefully. The, that's the goal. Yeah. I love it, man. Guys, hit them up for uh, any of your collections. And if you have questions, hit them up. These guys are great. All right, Real Show Episode 2 is done. Once again, thanks to Perfume Time, located out there in Harwin, 713-782-0030. If you guys are in the market for your colognes, perfumes, whatever, for Valentine's Day, go to my dad. He will take care of you. If you have questions regarding phones, whatever, he'll point you in the right direction. He knows Harwin better than anybody. He's been there for almost 30 years. So I know it's real, guys. Make sure you guys get out there. And to my boy, uh, Dr. Amit Keswani, he's just advertising because he wanted to be part of the show. If you guys have some cardiology needs, hit him up on Twitter at A-M-I-T-K-E-S-W-A-N-I-M-D or just hit me up and I'll get you the information. David Philpott, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you running the podcast. We are out. We will talk to you next time Thursday at 11 a.m. We're going to be talking religion. MMA, life, and fame with Richard Burmaster, one of my dear friends. Guys, we'll talk to you then. Thank you so much, Adrian and Brian. We'll talk to you down the line. Cool. Awesome shit, guys. That was awesome.